0: Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Amon, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of community services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect. But as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome
1: to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amin, your host. The library of all of the episodes, beginning from September 2019, can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Senior Straight Talk. And of course, they can also be found on popular podcast platforms. The show is also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel. So please remember to like, click and share the episodes. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregivers Guide to Caregiving the Basics. You'll be able to find information on the course once you click on the link for the free book offer on the Senior Straight Talk host page. And you can also find information on the homepage of my website, phyllisaymanassociates.com by clicking the link freeagingparentbook.com. Once you grab the free copy of Dignity and Respect, you'll find information on the Caregiver's Guide to Caregiving course and the valuable free bonuses that go along with it. My latest book chapter in WTF to OMG with a Little LOL, Unpacking Life's Hidden Lessons, was released July 19th and became a number one Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. It features my story about personal responsibility and self-care that led me to the work that I do today. And I'm honored to be a featured co-author alongside now three-time Wall Street Journal best-selling author, David Corbin, as well as many others. The book is of course available on Amazon. And my previous book chapter, released May 17th in Think Big, is also available on Amazon. And it's my story, my big vision about how my projects aimed at older adults and the value they have in our lives and in society. September has been Healthy Aging Month. As the ambassador for Conscious Aging Life Management, I will help you develop your personalized longevity plan, or you can call it your wellness care plan, so you can continue to age as healthfully and gracefully as you possibly can. Please email me at phyllis at phyllisaymanassociates.com for more information. The place to begin is within, and the time to begin is now. Senior Stray Talk is proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates, and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Senior Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, who I met through a mutual friend just a few weeks ago. She's a corporate leader, business advisor, author, and nationally recognized podcast host in two industries. She has spent her career working with CEOs, boards of directors, and global leaders in the public and private corporate sectors. These resources gave her the strength and foundation to step in and like many other adult children, provide her parents with guidance and the necessary support in their older years. She works guiding and educating families on how to avoid the tricks and traps of industries touching the systems of care in the United States. So as a fellow advocate and strategic family planner and mediator, I am thrilled to have Nancy May with me on Senior Straight Talk today. Nancy, thanks so much for being here with me today. Uh, we just met a few weeks ago, actually. We, uh, we were introduced by Clarissa Burt, and, uh, whose book, The Self-Esteem Regime, is just a terrific book. And uh, she thought we would just be an ideal connection, and it turns out she was right on the money, as she is usually, and we are. Uh, we have a great connection, and we come from the same, we're in the same space, but come to it from different directions. But I think we're winding up in the same place in this space, sort of.
2: Well, and, you know, as caregivers, it, we have one goal is to make sure those that we are taking care of and, and love and or being paid professionally to take care of are, are in a safe and good place as well as those that are taking care of them, right? Absolutely. And so before we started,
1: I mean, this might be a good time to, to have this conversation because we were talking about emergency preparedness plans, mm-hmm. which um, long-term care facilities or, or homes are required to have, but how many of those plans are actually just on paper as opposed to really plans that are practiced. So when the emergency hits, they know what to do. So you were telling me about um, a book that you recommended, and you want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, no. So there's. Me, oh well, I just interrupt. You're in Florida, and that's how this came about because you're waiting for this storm.
2: Co- correct. And and we're new Floridians. We're from the New York tri-state area, and down here about a year and a half. So we moved down. Uh, yeah, you know, a, a year ago, April. So we're we're used to lots of storms up north. It seemed like every storm that hit Florida in the past bypassed Florida and came and hit us direct on, including microbursts, hurricane, you know, Irene and and uh, you name it. We we had it, including microbursts and and her, and tornadoes that actually hit our house. So oh, wow. we're, you know, we were up in we were up in Reading, Connecticut. And so we were we, we got used to it. It's sort of the MO and well, we're gonna be out 10 days of power. Down here, it's, it, you know, we know how to prepare for, for hurricanes, although we did leave our generator up north for the people who bought our house just because we knew what was going on and said, if you want it, you know, you can have it. We just got a new generator, which we got with the one of the last three left in, in the area. And so we were fortunate about that. But when you talk about preparedness, I, I am I am very impressed with the the emergency teams that are out there, the notifications that are going on, telling people to take this seriously. And when you talked about backup power, so we have a generator now for the house, which is great. The problem is that we found up north, and and I'm going to presume that it's, it's fairly similar down here, is people have this equipment, whether you're in a care facility or not, and they don't test it. So rodents get in, things happen, um, the the oil is not taken care of properly. So when you do need it, it goes. Poof,
1: poof, poof, and it that's sputters. It.
2: <laughs> it sputters. It sputters. You know, we have uh we have a an induction hot plate that we can plug into it. So we're, you know, we're not quite preppers, but I think we're pretty close to it at this point in time.
1: <laughs> that's funny. So, but you were saying about this book that you read
2: that talked about a hospital uh, during Katrina, right? Correct. And actually what I was impressed with just as a second, uh, uh, you know, another note before we get into that, down here, I heard that in the Tampa Bay area, they, yesterday, they started to evacuate hospitals. So that is, (laughs) we don't think about evacuating hospitals because we think that's a safe place, but there's a book called Five Days at Memorial. And it's it it's a it's a stomach turner and it's a page turner at the same time <laughs> and it's a true story about what happened during Hurricane Tr- Katrina that hit the Louisiana area at a hospital called Memorial Hospital and the fact that the hospitals did evacuate but not everybody was able to get out of this particular hospital and they didn't even know that people were still left in there so the decisions the life and death decisions that doctors had to make and nurses had to make when in fact the the power generator didn't work because it was flooded with water or you know the the air conditioning wasn't working with I mean it's just you can imagine what can happen when oh. you don't have power at at an emergency medical facility it's right. it's horrific so yeah
1: so I would uh recommend that people read that book if they can because even if you don't, you're, you don't have an older parent or a loved one in a long-term care facility, you never know when you're going to be in the hospital and where there's going to be an emergency. I mean, it could be an earthquake. It could be a variety of things. It could be a fire. You, you just don't know a blackout, right? And so, of course, most people wind up in a hospital and it's unplanned situation. But many go into a hospital when it is a planned situation, let's say it's a knee replacement or whatever other planned situation there is, people might want to ask what their emergency preparedness plan is and if they've had any drills or updates, um, I would think. Wouldn't you think so?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I just recorded a podcast, which will go up um, on, on my platform later this afternoon that explains, you know, here's a checklist of things and we're we'll putting in the show notes, but it's, it's really like what happens if you're in hospital, what happens if you're in a your care facility questions to ask, to prepare for that. What happens if you're at home or you're taking care of somebody at home and even long distance, because you have to think about not just yourself if you're long distance, which I was a long distance caregiver, but the the safety of those individuals that are taking care of your parents or somebody else that you're overseeing because quite frankly they're more concerned about their family than they are about yours and i get that you know that's that's okay right it's but real we we went through hurricanes multiple times down here with my mom and dad were down here and i'm up in connecticut they're down in florida so we made our house sort of the central hub and caregivers came and stayed the night and and with their family. And I have no problem with that. Here's the deal. I, well in advance, I sent down all sorts of lights and whatever they needed. And we stayed in touch literally several times a day in, in the course of watching the weather before a, a hurricane came close by when my folks were, were here.
1: So it's interesting something you just said, because... I wonder if um, people do have an emergency plan for their older parent or loved one. It doesn't even have to be somebody who lives a distance away. Could be somebody that lives, you know, pretty nearby. But is the caregiver that's helping your parent or loved one, whether it's a home companion or a, a certified nurse aide, are they aware of that emergency plan? And do you go through drills with them or go through any kind of procedure so that they're aware of the emergency plan for that person's house or apartment or wherever they're living. I mean, I just thought of that now as we're talking about it.
2: Yeah. You know, I always looked at it as not only was I making sure mom and dad were safe, but I'm caring for the caregivers as, as a, as an adult child primarily because I want to make sure mom and dad were safe and always well taken care of. But if I'm not taking care of those that are, are that are taking care of me and mom, because they were taking care of me and mom and dad, for sure. I mean, they're taking care of me because I was not physically there and, and they kept a sort of sense of peace of mind and, and things going well. But if I didn't, it, I didn't even have the wherewithal to consider their emotional state as well as physical state and their family, then what kind of person am I to be able to be in charge of this situation? So you have to really understand that there's more than there's more than one or two people that really impact those that you're overseeing. It is it truly you know they, the old adage it takes a village. Maybe it takes a little bit more than a village. Maybe it takes a a city. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, it's funny because that 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 phrase came to my mind about it takes a village, but I would venture to say that that you're somewhat unique and very special in having that mindset that you are really caring for the caregiver who's caring for your parent, especially somebody who's at a distance.
2: Well, I hope I'm not unique. I hope that more people do that. You know, I I used to, we talked earlier, I used a lot of my business skills and thinking about, well, you know, how do you run a, you know, it sounds kind of callous, but when you're running a, a, in an enterprise, be it small or large, there's there there are units of individuals that you need to make sure that things run well you know the doctors the hospitals the care facilities if it's a care facility the home if you're taking care of a home long distance the people that are taking care of that and the individuals that are taking hands on care for your parents so it's it's truly managing an ecosystem is the only way i can really describe it including those that you know your the attorneys the financial advisors your accountant it is a very complex system of of oversight and care, and we are literally the, the the CEOs and chairman of that institution, if you want to put it that way. For me, it made it easier to 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 manage the complexity and make sure that nothing really fell through the cr- crack. The, excuse me through the cracks. You know, occasionally there's a little softening around the edges. And you have to learn not to be so hard on yourself. It's just like, okay, like, you know, I need to, you know, pull up the slack on that a little bit.
1: Right. So it's interesting that you say everything you just said uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I wrote a poem called uh, The Wellness CEO, that we're the CEO of our own well-being. And our bodies are not only our business because we care about it, but it is a business. It is an ecosystem in a way. Um, that's one thing. The other um, thing is that I very much believe that leaders or managers or supervisors or anyone in charge who's employing people to take care of people have to think of the people that they are caring, that are caring for the people that they have to be caring for them.
2: Absolutely. I don't
1: know if that came out um, a little circuitous, but as you, you are reading my book, dignity and respect: Are aging parents getting what they deserve. I don't know where in the book you are, but I have a chapter about the fact that person-centered care. Most people think of it at, about the people that are at the the end of that formula, right? The end of that um, that that it's the the patient or the, the recipient, yeah, recipients, right? At the at the end of that, the receiving end of that. Um, but actually, it really has to start with the people in charge, caring for the people that are working for them. And so it's very interesting to me that you said that you came to that from a business model. I came to that just seeing the lack of care for the people that are employed to care for the resident or the patient and said to myself, well, if you don't care about them, it's like a domino effect, right? Or like trickle down, right? Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My dad was a business owner. So he always kept me involved I'm not sure it was consciously, but I w- I showed interest in in what was going on, and being that I was the eldest daughter, you know, typically the the care, being a trustee or you know POA, um, having that responsibility, is traditionally laid on the hands of of the oldest child, whether it be male or female. And it's, if you've got more, it may be divided. You sort of divide and conquer, although you know, just like you see corporations with co-CEOs, I think the biggest strength is when you have one person in charge that's making the the final decisions. You can always check in with your team for sure, but ultimately the old adage, the buck stops here. Right. who's the one that understands what the wishes are of individuals and what needs to be done and can You can't really separate your emotion because as much as I tried there, you know, I tried to protect my heart as well as my head and, and make sure that, that I wasn't torn apart when those final days came and you, you can't, you can't do that. And, and just when you're thinking about that, I'm sort of backing into this a little bit is, is the hardest part in this job is to take care of yourself. Oh, absolutely. And we forget about it. We're right. so consumed with doing what needs to be done that, I mean, even myself there, I, I slept with my cell phone next to my bed and I thought, I've got to stop this, but right. you can't, if a call needs to come, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of time. So there. You know, there were things that I did to sort of lighten things up, it, like exercise. <laughs> if I'm not physically active, at least for a certain period of time, I, and I've let myself go a little bit on, on the exercise recently. I'm seeing the stress, and today I just did an aggressive hard work, and I was like, oh my God, you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm like, yes, go get the world. I'm right. at it.
1: <laughs> you know, it's interesting you say that because I have a course and a a whole platform designed around Conscious Aging Life Management, and it's about self-care. And at the root of it is this word that I own a trademark for. The word is empathy, I-M-P-A-T-H-Y. And it's really like the the inner game of empathy. It is about caring for yourself. And what I always advise caregivers is you can't give what you don't have. You can't pour from an empty cup. You have to do something, even if it's something small, um, even if it's five minutes a day, and that will just put you in the mindset, I did something for myself today, something to shore yourself up, it could be something as simple as sitting with your favorite drink, you know, either in the morning or the evening, whatever that is, whether it's a cup of coffee, tea, glass of wine, I don't care, a glass of milk doesn't matter. And just really sit and savor it and enjoy it for that few minutes. And
2: you will have a sense of, of self protection in a way. Or just hold the hand of somebody that you love, right? You know, that the old is- adage of, you know, 1%, you only have to do 1%. Absolutely. And you know what I'm not a fan of is that this, this idea of self-care, so many people say, you know, go get a spa or a facial or whatnot. You know mm-hmm. what? That that lasts for fleeting seconds. Yeah, and wow. it it takes time and, and money that not every caregiver has. So just like you said, if, if you can just take five minutes to, have a, a great cup of coffee or maybe a glass of wine at the end of the night. Maybe you don't want a glass of wine because you want to make sure you stay awake. But, yeah,
1: but, but it could be something even as simple. Now, I, I tell people this and some people laugh when they hear this uh, because it does sound kind of funny. Uh, men might have a harder time with this than others. I'm being a little stereotypic there, but I, I think it probably has some truth to it. So I tell people, give yourself a hug. Give myself a hug.
2: Oh no! Yeah, the, 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 the touch goes a long well, just, way, right? Yeah,
1: wrap your You know, your your hands around your arms and just squeeze really tight. And guess what? It does give you a feeling of yeah. of comfort, of touch. Of it gives you this uh, what we call like this. Um, proprioceptive input, you know, this this squeezing, you, you do feel some sense of care and it gives you a sense of warmth, even if you do it for 10 seconds. Right? The weighted blankets. The weighted blankets, they're terrific. I mean, so we're going to take a short break on Senior Straight Talk because when we come back, A, I want you to talk about your podcast. B, I know you've written a very important book that I'd like you to talk about. And three, I know you were a caregiver from a distance. And I think that that's also very important information that people need to hear. So we'll be right back on Senior Straight Talk with Nancy May.
0: Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk.
1: So welcome back to Senior Straight Talk. I'm here with Nancy May. We're having a phenomenal conversation. We started out with em, em, emergency preparedness because of the impending hurricanes that are due to hit uh, Florida, where Nancy now lives. Uh, but we drifted into other topics. Uh, Nancy is has a podcast. She wrote a phenomenal, important book. And she also was a caregiver for, from a distance. So I really want to think I want to start out with Nat Nancy, what that experience was like. We touched on it a little bit, being the CEO of this whole experience, but what really was it like being in the throes of of caring for somebody who lived a distance away?
2: So um, I, I think, and I'd hate to put caregivers in one lump category, but typically we sort of ease into it, right? Something doesn't happen immediately unless you're just unaware of what's going on because a major life-threatening incident doesn't happen You know, a heart attack, boom. You know, there's usually something that leads up to it. You know, I can't say it's true of all cases, but when you're aware, you sort of notice what's happening. And my folks, and my dad particularly was always very good over the years when they moved to Florida 30 odd years ago to say, you know, this is the book where all the you know, trusts and the wills, financial information. When they changed an accountant, they introduced me to the accountant. So there was this there's this preparedness sense that my dad always have. And, you know, I talk about that, you know, he even did it when I was younger. It's like he knew what things were going on necessarily from a care perspective, but just from an education information perspective. So even in college, this is the accountant. This is the attorney. You're going to need this in your life too. This is how you talk to a financial advisor you know, put some money away. So it was always these kinds of little lessons that happened over the course of time. And my mom and I talked about them too. So partially I have to owe this to my parents, which was a huge asset for me as an adult caregiver to have. Then as things started to happen, it was partially, you know, my husband one day who said they came up to visit my folks, drove up from Florida. I'm thinking, oh my dear Lord, please don't do that. Right? They are going to do it in 24 hours. Like No, <laughs> Enjoy yourself, take some time. I gave them some places to hang out and along the way, and, and then they flew back. But when they got up there for a, a high school reunion that my mom wanted to go to, when she grew up in Stanford, Connecticut, she started to repeat herself on certain things. Ooh. And uh, she didn't say to me, she sent it to my husband. So he said, Listen, take your mom out to the grocery store and just listen. I thought, Hmm, something's going on, you know, including the fact that. When they got to Connecticut, and you'll appreciate this because mom was from Stanford, and she knew how to get to my house with her eyes closed because she had a close friend in the same town that that we lived, and she, they got lost coming to my house. Oh wow! They pulled over the road, and, and it was pouring rain. And she says, "We're in Connecticut. We're here." And I looked out the driveway. I was like, no, "You're not. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> oh, we're in Connecticut. Like we're in Connecticut." And she said, "Well, we're in front of a a store." And I said. What kind of store? It's a liquor store. Okay, you're fine. <laughs> and I said, and what else is there? Well, there's a deli. Say, okay, so you got food and alcohol. You're fine. Just don't get on the road again, <laughs> right? And she couldn't tell me where they were, so I had to direct them into the store and, and get the address because my dad was not f- cell phone savvy. My dad drove the whole way up it in his early 90s. I'm like, oh my dear lord, you know. It's, but mom wasn't going to drive. She had already given up. Right. She didn't want to do it, and and so that went. So those were sort of the early triggers, and. From there, you know, it was going back down a little bit more frequently than I had in the past. My husband hated for me to go down because he just felt that I didn't need to be there. And I'm kind of like, well, the heck with you. I'm going. Right, right. <laughs> and he he learned. You know, I'm 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 a pretty forward person. I said. Here's a deal, you're fine on your own, you know how to cook, clean and do your own laundry. I'm 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 okay. I'm like I'm not your wife. I mean, I am your right. wife, but I'm not your caregiver. Right. So suck it up, buttercup. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and then it just happened more frequently. Dad and Mom moved into a care facility because they wanted to to not be a burden to myself and my and my sister. And I appreciate that. That was love and care that they had for us to make sure that we could live our lives well. Right. However, <laughs> that was also, you know, the beginning of 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 the mess that happened from costs and whatnot. And staying on top of it, realizing where the issues and the pitfalls were in the care system happened pretty quickly. So that's, you know, it, it's it's not easy to do. Yet once I had a team of individuals that I could trust. And I, you know, like I said, I ran it like a team. You know, we had monthly calls that were Zoom calls so that the team worked together and I learned what was going on. I had a, a lead aide or a foreman aide, and she was the boss of the team. And we stayed in touch. So it was like having a manager that had direct reports. Mm. And that's how I, I made it easier for me. However, you know, just like anything, it's it's still not easy because of the emotion and everything Absolutely. else that goes on and things that the AIDS don't do and can't do.
1: Right. And the other thing I was going to say is uh, people don't realize often that when their parents or loved one moves into a care facility or a care home, whether it's a long-term care home or assisted living community, that they really need to be as involved as they were before they moved in, or maybe even more so, that there's tremendous advocacy that needs to happen when the person is residing in one of these environments.
2: So I'm going to stop you right there for a second, because you're going to laugh. Because as I got into seeing what was going on, mom had fallen a number of times. She ended up with eight stitches in her head and cracked ribs and the quality of, I'll put in quotes, care, because these facilities are not medical facilities you have to understand that they are in quotes care facilities but we think that they actually are medical facilities and they're not and so i got i was a very active and vocal uh a child you know adult child overseeing this and i would call myself the wicked witch from the north because i would fly down <laughs> <laughs> and and then there was a nurse, a nurse who I referred to as Nurse Ratchet. So um and she was very much a nurse Ratchet, including to the point when we did move out, they conveniently lost all the medical records.
1: Isn't that something?
2: Right. And so somebody I reason- just want
1: I just right. want to stop you right there for a second. Uh there are many listeners who might not know who Nurse Ratchet is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Google it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's that, not pretty. <laughs> no, it's
1: not. Nurse Ratchet was quite a character, <laughs> but we have both. As I say, you experienced it. I have also had uh, experienced and worked with and uh,
2: worked alongside many Nurse Ratchets. <laughs> well, you know, and it was it was the 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 lower level staff members, uh, the cleaning ladies, the people who were you know, helping out at at the very lowest level of of this care facility society were the ones who would say, you know, Miss Nancy, I want to talk to you when you when you're here because Mm -hmm. we know that you don't live here, but we know that you care because we see it in everything that's going on, from the letters that I wrote mom and dad to the calls to to just how my parents talked about my sister and myself and 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 what went on. So they were an unexpected gift and eyes and ears because they were concerned. And I have to thank them for that because it wasn't their job and they could have easily gotten fired for that.
1: interestingly enough, I have also found many times in many of these buildings, it's the person who maybe cleans the room. It could be the maintenance person. um, And and very often maintenance people are males uh, who wind up in conversations with people and know more about them and can tell people things that have happened or that the person is concerned about more than the nurse, let's say. Uh, Usually the CNA is pretty in touch with the person, but I have found more often than not that it's a a, um, maintenance person, or Mm -hmm. like I said, it could be a housekeeping person. I have been in buildings. I was in one several months ago and I had told the administrator that this housekeeping woman should be doing training for everybody else. I witnessed her, and not just on this one occasion, go into a room. This woman rarely spoke. But when this woman came into the room and said hello and said the woman's the resident's name, this woman perked up. She started talking to this woman. Nobody knew that the woman talked.
2: Oh that's great. She showed love and care and, and correct and interest right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that's what it's about. So you know, you look at care facilities that they don't as as you said, they don't necessarily know what's going on even in their own structural facilities. so one one situation, I'd gone down to see my folks, and my my mom was having some issues, and depression was obviously setting in for sure and and not going up and doing a lot of things. But my dad was concerned about her, so he would. Get the little the mil, little milks and the the butter pats and right. whatever it was he could find from from the dining hall and, and and bring it into the room. Not that moms could eat butter or right. sugar packets or milk, but it was there for him to get coffee or whatever else he needed. Right. And he would put them in a straw basket on top of the electric stovetop. So oh. I got there and and I looked at this and I know my dad's heart and intention was well, was strong and good yet he, he didn't, you know, he didn't know his way around a small kitchen area and right. all he needed to do was bump into that stove and turn on the stove and fush you know, you've got a death scenario. So right. that one trip I went in to the, to the manager of the facility and I said very, very calmly, he's like, I want to know what your accidental death policy is. And oh, how that God. works, you know, like very class, you know, very All classic right. and, and relaxed, and just out of curiosity. Oh, we're fine. I said, well, what happens if fire breaks? Oh no, you'd have to worry about fire. The walls are set up, and I said, eh, no, I, I understand. That's 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 well, and and that's fine. But in you know, forget my parents. I want to know about everybody else as well because this is a huge issue of fire. If it goes, so, well, fire's not going to break out. And then I said, have you checked how people? manage their stoves. These are electric stoves, people who don't have feeling in their hands. They have neuropathy in their feet. Correct. They may bump into things and you don't. They, they don't know it, right? Accidentally. And an electric stove top goes up and here's a basket on the top. Within seconds, somebody was running down the hall and unplugged that stove.
1: Right, right, right.
2: <laughs> but that was just one parent.
1: Right. How many exactly. others were doing that too, right? Correct, correct.
2: So they don't even understand how their own facilities are set up. They're designed like apartments in hotels or efficiency apartments, and they shouldn't be.
1: Well, not only that, because it's people's apartments, it's their private space. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a, they room don't room check. a nursing home. Nobody goes in to check. Exactly. That was I mean, exactly they check and
2: make sure somebody's breathing. They go, you know, right, they check right, and they drop off it. heads. That's yeah. And an occasional Swiffer on the floor. Right. But that's it. Yeah. Right.
1: So uh, before we go further with this, um, uh, so I, I want you to talk about your podcast and your book uh, so that people can find out about that book because it's an important book and I love the title of it.
2: Thank you. And also about your podcast. So how about we start with podcast first? Okay. Um, so the podcast is called Doing It Best with Eldercare Success or just plain old Eldercare Success. It's on any of the podcast platforms or you can go to eldercaresuccess.live www.eldercaresuccess.live and subscribe there or just get to some other show um, uh, uh, one of the other platforms that you like listening to and we go over all sorts of things from um, how to deal with a, a lower dose of anesthesia in an operating si- situation with hypnotherapy in the OR mm-hmm. through to um, managing oh gosh you know managing costs to uh, I just recently did a show with Dr. Michael Ocon from the University of Florida, who's one of the top physicians researching Parkinson's disease. And we discussed the issues in Parkinson's versus Alzheimer's and how one in four people are misdiagnosed with Alzheimer's versus Parkinson's. Right. So- and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see what's, what's going on. I just had a conversation with a friend of mine whose husband has a form of Alzheimer's and she thought it originally was Parkinson's. And so they tested that as well. But um, it's you know, we've done all sorts of things in there. And uh, I just recently recorded a show, which will go up this evening, on emergency preparedness in case of a natural or, or, or man-made disaster, which ties into the book. Right. And how to make sure that that you're safe or somebody else is safe, even if you're long working long distance. Right. And there's a there's a lot that we can we can do, including, you know, staying in touch. Actually, I have to do something with like staying in touch with through WhatsApp when the when the systems are down. But uh, right? right.
1: And we talked about that at the beginning of the show. So I'm so glad you mentioned it again. And that will be up uh, tonight. You said LG- yep, it'll be up. it'll be up yes. this
2: evening, which is uh, September 27th, late this afternoon.
1: Eldercare Care Success.
2: Okay. Elder awesome. Success or eldercaresuccess.live either way just it's on Spotify and and all the other platforms Apple Apple Tunes. The book is called How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies Step by Step Before, During and After. Now, some people think that this is a medical book. It's it's not. I mean it is and it's not in that things that you need to be aware of in case an emergency happens and somebody needs to get to you. So right. if they're at, they're at home or you're at home, simple things like making sure the numbers are on the house that an emergency team can see as they're driving by, because they don't memorize where you are. And this is, this is a big issue in cities because you can have the fancy numbers and silver on the, on the windows. And you can't see those easily from the road.
1: Listen, I can tell you many times I'm going to a person's house and uh, i i might be using my navigation i might not and i'm looking for the house number i can't even find it
2: right so the we worked with a team of uh, paramedics and emts and and trainers in that space as well as emergency doctors lawyers a variety of people to help us write this book and make sure it was accurate and one of the emt trainers actually was significant during doing a for, final review and I dropped, was ready to drop off the final copy. So we had a, a proof to give to her and she didn't have, a, she'd have a mailbox that had numbers on it. I couldn't find oh. her. Oh, wow. And, and we we're, were up and running. We're in a rural community. It's like, where are you? She says, oh, well, people know. I am. It's like, not necessarily because those teams do change out. Right. Right and just being able to find somebody it's confusing especially in rural communities because your mailbox may be at the end of a road where there's five or six mailboxes or whatever the case may be on the opposite side of the road so that's that's a huge issue including like what happens if somebody arrives and your house or their house is cluttered so you have hoarders right these team members these these paramedics and emergency team responders have had major accidents, broken backs, bones, legs, whatever it might be, um, head injuries, because of not being able to physically get in to find the person in need. And oh. if that's the case, they may not be able to get it to you. So just say, you know, you're a goner at that rate. Right, right. Then we go into things like what to sign or how to sign them in an emergency room uh, hospital so or, or in a hospital so that you personally are not financially liable. Right. So there's issues on that, how to get better care in the hospital, um, how to get discharged faster, how to call 911 when the 911 system is down, because it does go down. And then a whole variety of checklists, like what is a go bag? It's it's not just a bag of pillows and blankets and and your phone. There's a lot that goes into this, that it's a simple checklist to go through. What do you have? How do you have it set up? Where are your emergency Uh, reports, um, how to get a file of life. If you need a file of life, which is all the information that you need for somebody when they go out of the home or or facility with a paramedic to the emergency room with all their medical information, you can get that at howtosurvive911.com, www.howtosurvive911.com. You get a free file of life. It's yours. Take it, use it. It can save somebody's life or at least- Get the support that they need a lot faster because a paramedic may not necessarily know what you're allergic to, and you may not know what somebody's allergic to.
1: Correct, absolutely. And I, I actually have a lot of this information also in this course that I have, this caregiving guide to caregivers, and I advise people to get all this in- information beforehand. You were fortunate that you came from a family where you had been advised of all of that and and kind of throughout your entire life. So you knew how to do that. But a lot of people don't know how to do that or no, don't know where everything is. Um, well, you grew up it, in long Island, right? No, I'm in lower Connecticut, but even if it's uh passwords to get into your different, your apps mm-hmm. or your accounts, um, People need to know that information if something happens, so that they could either pay your bills or notify people. Or how does somebody where's even your um, your code passcode to get into your phone? Is there somebody? Or your house? You know. Or your, or your house. house? Is there somebody who knows that uh, yeah. so that they can access the information? Those are. Very important details that people don't really think about, and understandably, they don't think about it, and that's why it takes another person sometimes to bring it mm-hmm. to their attention.
2: Right, and you know, it doesn't take that that long. But you know, I, I grew up in Long Island, and as kids, the entire community where we were in Glen Head did did emergency um, preparedness drills. Right. So families would do it, and we had um, one of those metal fences, uh, uh, gates that would or, or um, ladders that would drop out of the window. Not that I actually practiced jumping out of the window, but, but that, that, that ladder, that rope ladder, that middle ladder, my parents made sure it went to college with me. <laughs> so I think I was the only person in school that had one of those things under their bed.
1: <laughs> that's funny. That, that's really, really funny. Um, I wonder how many people even have a small um, fire extinguisher in their kitchen.
2: Oh yeah, that's one of the first things when I got mom and dad out of a care facility uh, and into uh, their own home. We, we bought a house for them to make sure they were safe and and well taken care of. Is we had four fire extinguishers, that yeah, four fire extinguishers set up in the house, in the kitchen by the 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 door, in their bedroom, and in the living space where they were. So, and the key on those is to have them as close to a doorway as possible because that's where the air draft is going to come in. Now right. I'm not a firefighter, but that's what I understand. And that's where they always were. And you always knew where they are. I mean, you walk in a door, you knew- Right, where and,
1: and people should have those, um, especially in their kitchen and, and make If you have sure a fireplace, by
2: the fireplace.
1: And make sure that
2: they are smoke detectors. Yeah, and make sure that they're, um, they're, they're, yeah. that sure that they're tested dry, regularly. Dry, yeah, and they're working. That's right. You know, you you especially in an emergency. Say, like, wait a second, I don't know what to do. Please tell me what to do next.
0: Right. And you
2: know and always make sure that when you are in a situation where there is an emergency, somebody is in charge. If you right. are the leader, you say um phyllis i need you to go do this you know nancy i need you to go do this bobby i need you to go do this so that one central point of communication is the the leader and there's no confusion of what to do next
1: yeah i think that that's very wise advice and as we said we this all started with the conversation about the impending hurricane yeah. it,
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed getting, to be in the eye of the storm so getting
1: sure in uh, in florida so uh, but we covered so many topics and, and it's all about emergency preparedness. So it's not only about a storm, right? It's, it's about, about life in general. It's about oh, life prepared. in general. And this is why I always tell people, you know, being informed is being forearmed. I just did a, uh, a post today, a video post uh, about that very thing. Um, my friend, I'll just, just say this uh, quickly. She had an unfortunate experience with a home care companion agency for her father. And uh, it's not the only case that I've ever heard of, but mm-hmm. as a result of her advocacy, the uh, governor in Connecticut signed a bill. Um, and now there's a task force that's going to be looking into these home care companion agencies for training, for oversight, for what they can advertise they do. And uh, the first meeting of the task force is Friday, November 30th. November 4th, I think it is, is the first public hearing. And they are looking for people to give testimony. It could be anonymous, it could be signed. If they send it in, they're not sure if it's going to be virtual or in person. But uh, these are very important steps because they want to look at this as a nationwide issue. So
2: they're like they're licensed and but and many of them are franchised. However, as you know, as well as I do, because they're franchised, you presume that they're all at the same level of quality and care. And that's, that's not true because it really depends upon the individual, individual franchise owner. It's like going to a McDonald's. One can be really clean and well taken care of. And you know that the people behind there are polite and and friendly where you go to another one down the street and it could be dirty and disgusting and you wouldn't even send your dog in there. Right. Right. And
1: so, so my, from my vantage point, um, And you would probably agree, if you have an older parent or loved one, even before you start to see signs, you should have these conversations and look into some of these uh, areas where you might think your loved one might need care. Maybe start to look into some home care agencies or companion agencies or look into the the, uh, short-term rehab facilities, I'll call them in nursing homes where your loved one might wind up going if they wind up in the hospital, because in all likelihood, if they are older, there is going to be an incident and they'll yeah. wind up in a hospital. And very often the next step is to go for rehabilitation in a short-term setting of a nursing home.
2: But you and don't have to go to a short-term rehab you facility. You, you always do it at home too.
1: You, ha- you can, but it also depends on I'd say the severity of the condition and whether your finances, your insurance is set up for it, your physical environment is set up for it. It's not always possible. Um, And because people think that and make all these promises, that's why it's important to have these conversations beforehand and get the information you need. Yeah. Yes.
2: What does, what does your parent want? I mean, what is Correct. what are their wishes when, Correct. I mean, I knew what my dad's wishes were to fight to the very end. And so we did as long as we possibly could
0: right. until
2: there was no choice. And, and then when my mom, you know, my mom was different. She didn't want to be kept alive. And even though the hospital wanted to operate on her, on her brain, when she had a massive brain hemorrhage, I said, no, Right. I had, I had the, I had the sense of, I hate to say peace because it's still stressful. But I I knew in my heart what she wanted, versus what the hospital wanted to use her as an experiment. It's like, no, you're not doing that.
1: So it's interesting, because during COVID, when COVID first started, so my specialty, um, there may be listeners who know this, is uh, people who are dependent on mechanical ventilation, or have tracheostomies, or tubes, or have respiratory conditions that you was were busy my, for many 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 years it's my passion I actually love love that so when COVID uh came along and everybody started you know, the news uh network started talking about ventilators and people on ventilators and most people aren't aware of what that is they're not they don't work with it they don't know but of course my daughter who knows that that's what I did most of my life So she actually texted me one day because I don't have what I should have in place or didn't at that time. She said, so I have a question for you. If they want to put you on a ventilator.
2: I can't talk
1: about this without getting choked up. I have to be honest. Um, If they want to put you on a ventilator, how do you feel about that? So I said, no. She said, I thought you'd say that because she knows, you know, what my experience has been all these years. She said, but what, suppose they say it's only for a few days and you'll get better. And I said, well, I I guess I have to think about that. We'll have to talk about that. Thankfully that, that never came to pass, but because I know what that journey is or what the potential is and I've lived it, that's not something that she knew that intuitively, that's not something that I would want. But do people have these conversations? No, not really. And they
2: should. Yeah, yeah. my, my, my mom, and I always did over the years. And, you know, that it, it partially, I think, is because of how we grew up, you know, I had a sister who passed away when she was three and a half from childhood leukemia. My mom's mom died within 10 year, days of me being born the oldest child, and then her dad was four months later. So, you know, these were part of our part of my early childhood and and right. I looking back I say like wow you know how strong she was and you know as an adult but at the time I was a kid you know what did I know that it was it was just part of who we were and I didn't know right
1: exactly well Nancy this has been absolutely fantastic and uh, so glad we met and we have so many synchronicities and I'm sure we'll have more conversations. and To
2: be continued, as they say, right? To
1: be continued. <laughs> and I hope everybody tunes into the podcast, which is, go ahead, say it again.
2: It's uh, Eldercare Success, or eldercaresuccess.live. You can go there for the show. And we'll have up this evening the emergency you know, preparedness thing for what happens in a natural or, or man-made disaster.
1: That sounds terrific. And uh, like you said, to be continued.
2: Thank you, Phyllis. It's been a pleasure.
1: So this is Phyllis Amon signing off for today. Please remember to like, click and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well and stay tuned.
0: Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.